Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Breathe on me. In the scriptures, and I think I'll just mention this, not in my notes, but I was looking at that particular word in the scriptures. And I find that the word breathed, not breathe, but breathed, is only in the Bible, at least the translation I was reading about seven or eight times. And every time, every reference passage where that particular word is used, almost every passage, six or rather five out of seven, I believe it is. It's always making reference to a man or a person dying. And David breathed his last breath and was gathered unto his family. And he gave instruction and then he breathed. And so the word breathe is is referenced and used to tell us that at that particular time, the individual breathe his last breath on this earth. But there's two specific times in Scripture, and again in the translation that I was reading, where the word breathe is mentioned, but it's not because someone is dying, but because someone was made alive. The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis When the Lord created the heavens and the earth and then he created man. And man was that being that possibly was laying on the ground perfectly made by the hand of God. But he was just laying there. But the Bible then says that the Lord breathed in his nose. He gave his breath, blew it into the lungs of this created Man of his. And something spectacular happened. The Bible says immediately after the Lord breathed into his nose. He says, and the man became a living being. It's to me as if at that moment that God breathed into the nose of Adam. He opened his eyes and inhaled and He became conscious. He was now complete. A man that was breathing. Got up, I'm sure, and began to move about. He began to function. He began to move about his purpose in life. But it wasn't until God breathed upon him. And the other reference that we find in Scripture... We find again the Lord Jesus speaking to his disciples, getting ready himself to go to the right hand of the Father. And he knew that they would be moving about tremendous times in the world they were living in, and they needed something from heaven. They were already moving beings, but were they truly alive in God? Well, the Bible says that he called them 
And he gave him instruction a few days before. He said, you should stay here in Jerusalem until the Father clothes you with power. And the scripture says that the Lord to those disciples, he breathed on them. He breathed on them. What did he breathe on them? If not his living spirit. The more I thought about this this past week, I began to consider the events we have been going through in this world today. My heart still is bleeding over the county of Uvalde. I said to somebody in conversation, I said, you know, they're about five hours away. We don't know these people. I don't know the children. I don't know the teachers involved. I don't know the school district. I don't know. So it's easy to gloss over something like that and say, well, at least it wasn't one of mine. And walk away in such a callous nature. But what happened just a few days ago, I believe, transcended. It went beyond county lines and school districts and neighborhoods and cities. And it broke the heart, I believe, even of the nation because of what happened. In my house, when we heard that news, there was silence. What can you say? How do you reason with this? What kind of idea do you think was going through the mind of this individual? Or how can you put this thing together and say, well, I know what it was. You don't. You can't wrap your head around this situation. But one thing is sure. That we live in a world that is evil. We live in the world where the Lord of the Flies moves about freely. And whenever he finds, as the Bible says, that he roams around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, he'll always try to find someone he can bridle and destroy their life. Why? Because we know that the very Satan's motive and motivation in this world is to what? Kill steal and destroy say it's kill steal and destroy and wow what a job he did but you find obviously in this whole situation that someone was unprepared when that demon came knocking someone was unprotected in their spirit, in their heart, when that demon came knocking. I began to pray this week. I said, Lord, if we need anything today, we need the power of your Holy Spirit. We need the power of your life in us. Protection and the shield of who you are over us because of the world we're living in. And it's going to get worse. Let us not play games 
Let us not hide our head in the sand and say, it'll pass. No, no, no. Tomorrow it will come again. And it'll find someone who is uncovered, someone who is unprotected. And he'll find him not only outside of the church, but he'll find him even in the church. If we live lives as such. This morning, I won't finish, and obviously time won't let me. But I want to bring great encouragement and yet great warning to every soul that is listening in this house to the sound of my voice. It's a time to be protected. It's a time to protect our children. It's time to pray for our teachers and protect our teachers and our school systems. But how can you do that? We can't be there. Even here in the valley, now we have copycat kids thinking that they can threaten the school district. We're going to do this and the other. Well, they picked them up and now they're in jail or in juvenile. At my granddaughter's school, there were police officers parked outside this past week. And now we're closing the year. These children in New Valley were ready to enjoy summer. <laughs> they made plans of what we're going to do. Just like you, once we get out of school, we're going off here. We go into this theme park. We're going here and the other. They too. But they're not going anymore. So I said, Lord, help us from being so vulnerable. Give us what we need to be able to be shielded. He said, you need to pray that the church reconciles with my spirit once again. Listen to me, church. You need to pray that my church reconcile with my spirit once again. And it broke my heart to hear God and my spirit say that because I said, Lord, have we offended you? Why are you saying that? Have I offended you? I thought we loved you. You heard us this morning in worship. I will make room for you. Reconcile with my spirit, saith the Lord. So this morning, and I don't know how many more mornings on Sunday morning, I'm going to be talking to you about the treasure of His Spirit. Because in Him we will find someone who's able to comfort us. Someone who's able to strengthen and lift us up. Someone who deserves the honor and the glory. Someone sadly... That has been pushed far away into the memories of our churches in many places around the world. You know the spirit of the Lord ladies and gentlemen is seldom invited or included in the happenings or the events 
or the endeavors of the church. We're such a programmatic organism now. We're such a systematic clique of people that are used to doing things mechanically. And there is so much education across the pews of this church. No one needs to ask God for advice. We know how to do everything. We know how to connect big screens. We know how to connect microphones. We know where to purchase this. We know how to do this and the other. We're so educated now. We're too smart for God. And as all these things begin to reverberate in my spirit, I keep hearing the Lord saying, that's why you need to reconcile with my spirit, says the Lord. You need to reconcile with my spirit. It is my spirit that gives you life. It's my spirit that makes you a living being. It's my spirit that gives you purpose. It's my spirit that protects you. You need to reconcile. And I've been saying for the past six, seven days, breathe on me, Lord. <laughs> breathe on me. Breathe on me. Begin with me. Breathe on me, oh God. Make me a living being once again. Make me agreeable. Make me the pleasant creation you've wanted me to be. But breathe on me. Put your mouth against mine and blow, God. And fill my lungs with your life. My prayer tonight, this morning, is that our hearts would be receptive. And believe what I know God wants the church to do. And that is to come back to the life he breathed upon us at one time. Isaiah chapter 63 is my passage of choice. And again, don't think I'm barely starting because I'll finish in a timely fashion. And we'll continue next week. Is that okay? Is that okay? Isaiah 63, verse 1. Who is this coming from Edom? From Basra. With his garments stained in crimson. Who is this robed in splendor? Striding forward in the greatness of his strength. It is I. <laughs> Make no mistake, it is I speaking in righteousness mighty to save. Why are your garments red like those of one treading in a wine press? <laughs> because I have trodden the wine press alone. From the nation, no one was with me. 
I trampled them in my anger and trod them down in my wrath. Their blood splattered on my garments and I stained all of my clothing. For the day of vengeance was in my heart and the year of my redemption has come. But listen to his heart. I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled that no one gave support. So my own arm worked salvation for me. And my own wrath sustained me. I trampled the nations in my anger, in my wrath. I made them drunk and poured their blood on the ground. I will tell of the kindness of the Lord. The deeds for which he is to be praised. According to all the Lord has done for us, yes, the many good things he has done for the house of Israel. According to his compassion and many kindness. Do you hear this conversation? Please. Do you hear what's going on in this intercourse here? We have the prophet speaking to the Lord. And he sees that vision of the Lord walking in with blood dripping from his robe. And his sword dripping from the bloods of the enemies. He said, who is this? He had to ask, who is this? That's a big danger. To not identify the move of God. To not identify the countenance of your Savior. He had to ask, who is this? And the Lord, he's never had an identity problem. He's never had to retreat to go find himself. <laughs> uh, he never had to go ask anybody else, well, who am I today? He said, it is I, the great I am. He said, I'm stained in blood. I've come from a battle. And when you see the picture, a gruesome picture of this mighty Savior walking in, dripping and drenched in blood, you can only think of one thing, ladies and gentlemen. How horrible the battle must have been. If he came in with a little sweat on his brow, oh man, that was quite the arm wrestle. No. He came in with the blood of men on his feet, walking in. I imagine him breathing heavy. He said, I went out and I trampled the nations. I went out and fought a battle that you should have been a part of, but you weren't there. But I did it for you. I did it for you. Have you ever stopped to think, ladies and gentlemen, what the Lord has gone through for you? 
That should bring his value up in your life automatically. You do that for friends. Oh, I really love him. I really love her. I, I love them. They've done so much for me. Have you ever said that? Well, I'm going to get him a good gift because those people, you know, they're our friends. They've done so much for us. Have we ever offered the Lord the same favor of thinking of how much he has done, ladies and gentlemen, just to get you here this morning? You think you're here by coincidence. You think, you think you're here simply because you wanted to be. No, no. It was the grace of God that allowed you to walk into this house today to listen to this message and to hear that God loves you and he's willing to go out to battle for you. Hallelujah. We're wrestling with things in our lives, addictions in our lives that have brought us down. He's brought you here to let you know he's willing to stain his gown. He's willing to draw his sword and fight the enemy for you because he loves you. And the conversation continues. did it myself I stopped for a moment to look around if there was anyone to help but there was no one and it enraged me how inconsiderate of people how ungrateful of people that I've done so much for to not even stand with me I'm not even asking you to draw or bring your weapons or your swords. Just stand with me. I believe that God is looking for a church that will stand with him. That will not be ashamed to be standing next to the king of glory. To not be ashamed to be identified with those who belong to Christ. So many Christians living their lives incognito. Secret agents. Your secret nothings. I'm a secret agent for Christ. No, no, you're a secret chicken. Afraid to stand for the Lord because you're embarrassed. Your friends might say, oh, you're one of those holy rollers. That I looked for one. And the heart of the prophet begins to sink. He said, I will tell of the kindness of the Lord. Of how good you've been to us. Everything you've done for us, Lord. I will speak of it. But then comes the next rebuke. He said, surely they are my people. Certainly sons that would not be false to me. And so I became their savior. I believe that if I gave my life, you would understand and love me. So I willingly laid my, down, my, life, my, my life down. And I willingly went and took up and held up the cross of Calvary just for you. Certainly my children will not be false to me. In all their distress, Scripture reads, he too was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old.
Everybody say yet. Say it again nice and loud, yet. When you hear the Lord speak to you and then he says yet, you better lay, listen. He said, yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. And so he turned and became their enemy and he himself fought against them. Hmm. What a fearful thing it is to fall into the hands of a living God. Some people who mock the name of the Lord publicly, who have great platforms on television that mock the Lord, little do they know, oh, it's a fearful thing to find yourself in the presence of a fire-breathing God. Then his people recalled the days of old. The days of Moses and his people where he who brought them through the sea. Where is he who brought them through the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who set his Holy Spirit among them? Who sent his glorious arm of power to be at Moses' right hand? Who divided the waters before them to gain for himself everlasting renown? Who led them through the depths like a horse in open country, they did not stumble. Like cattle that go down to the plain, they were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. This is how you guided your people to make for yourself a glorious name. Look down from heaven and see from where your lofty throne, holy and right, holy and glorious. Where are your zeal and your might? Your tenderness and compassion are withheld from us. Everybody say, breathe on us. Hmm. What a testimony, ladies and gentlemen. What a remarkable experience this man had in the presence of the Lord. I believe... And this is why I stand before you today. That we need to come back to that moment. I believe that there are people in the house of God today. And pastors all over the world asking. Where is he? Where is he? Where is the Holy Spirit? Where is he? Who came and delivered us from our bondage. Where is he? Like the people of Israel. Where is he who allowed us to walk across the sea on dry ground? Where is he who kept us cool in the day and warm at night? Where is he who kept our bellies filled as we stood in the midst of a dry desert? Where is he who gave power to Moses and the rest of the leaders and generals and armies? To lead us through victories. Where is he? We need him again. Ladies and gentlemen. We need a real move of God. I said we need a real move of God. I've heard the grumblings of your bellies. 
And it pleases my heart just standing behind here. I heard the ladies pray today. I saw everybody else, and I was expecting one thing. And this is not a rebuke. This is just me thinking. I expected almost everybody to be in prayer with them. Because the house was filled with the voices of praise and prayer. But I hear the grumblings as we worship, and I love it because I hear across the pews that there are grumblings and people who are hungry for God. And I ask us all to cry out to God and ask, where is he? Where is he? We know that in the days of old, ladies and gentlemen, the people were led by the power of human shepherds that the Lord placed before his people. We have Moses, Joshua, and Gideon. But we know that it was not their hand alone that led them through the victories they achieved. But it was the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that the Lord placed upon them. To walk with them, to lead them. The Spirit of God was among them. And not only in his providence and grace, but in power. Nehemiah 9.20 says, He gave thy good spirit to instruct them. We need his spirit to instruct us this morning. We need his good spirit to move amongst us this morning. Where is he in your life today? Where is he? You see, for the people of Israel, it was their rebellion and sin that drove the Spirit of the Lord away. The Bible says that they vexed him. They, 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 they broke his heart. And I've been praying all this week and asking, Lord, have we broken your heart? Are we living lives and simply coming out with a facade that we, that we love you, but actually our lives that you know of, that you walk with us on a daily basis? Have we grieved your spirit, oh God? Have we not nurtured our relationship with him? Resounding in my spirit to reconcile. And my prayer has been simple this week. I've simply said to the Lord over and over, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Whatever it is that I may have missed, I'm sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, to grieve his spirit. To not acknowledge His Spirit, to not walk according to His Spirit, will grieve the Spirit of the Lord. And to our frustration, here it is, and I'm going to close. I can't go on any further because I'm going to get into something bigger. But the bad thing for us when it comes to us grieving the Spirit of the Lord, we don't get answers from heaven. How many have a petition this morning? Raise your hand. Be honest. You have a petition. You have a petition in your heart. You really need something from God. You, need, you know it's going to be God. You've tried the 12-step help program. You've tried talking to counselors. You've done everything you can do. But it's still there. It keeps 
coming to plague you. How many need a breakthrough over that thing? How many need that thing gone from our lives? Come on, give me a show of hands. You need that gone. Let me tell you what the antidote is. It's the power of the Spirit of the Lord. Remember, he's the one that trampled on the enemy. He's the one that drew his sword against the things that afflicted his children. And there's things in your life that are afflicting you, but you've been fighting them by yourself. And God wants you to move beyond that and say, come to me. Come to me. He is the authority. And when we choose to do it on our own, ladies and gentlemen, we grieve him. We grieve him. Our trust, our lack of trust grieves the Lord. We make him feel unimportant. Didn't I ask you this morning, have you ever considered everything he's done for you? If he's done that for you, then he will do all things for you. He'll do all things for you. Call it. Call it out. He'll do it for you. Call it out and let him know. Every person he healed in scripture, he asked, what would you have me do for you? Oh Lord, that I might see I am willing. When the lepers came to him, oh Lord, have mercy on me. And the Lord loosed healing over him. The layman, even men who were walking in the spirit of the Lord, saw someone on a crippled mat in front of the temple. He said, I have nothing to give you. I've got no, no, I've got, I can't give you a wheelchair. I can't give you any crutches. I can't give you anything. We're not, we're even low on change. We got nothing. But where we do have is the power of the spirit of the Lord. What I do have is the power of the living God, of the God that can walk around and kill the enemy and destroy those who come against you. Hallelujah. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, in this world, we have nothing but God. We have no life but in God. We have no hope but in God. We have no prosperity but in God. We have no healing but in God. Oh, how do we need Him? How do we need Him? How do you need Him? How do you need him? Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. <laughs> Don't be offended. If you're sick, it's your fault. Ah, I better close. Ah, if you're feeling oppressed, it's your fault. You're feeling down, it's your fault. Jesus said, if you'll ask me. If you'll open your mouth, you open your mouth to many things. You open your mouth to a lot of people. You're out telling everybody about your problems, but you never come to me. If you'll tell me, I'll draw my sword out and I will give you the victory in Jesus' name.
Oh, I don't know who needs a breakthrough this morning. Ah. Woo! Hey! Ah! I don't know who needs to break out. But I know who's got the key. Oh, it was Paul and Silas in that prison. <laughs> oh, they were at the bottom most level of the Roman dungeon. That's where all the feces and all the junk of the city flowed. And I can imagine them being wasted deep in the mess of the city. But the Bible says that Paul and Silas were there and they were shackled and they had people watching them. And the only thing they had to hold on to was not a key to break out, not a sledgehammer, not a hacksaw, nothing, not a torch, nothing. But they began to praise. They began to love on him and they called upon the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. And what happened? Oh, it riled up the heart of God and he came and took a hold of the bars of of that prison and began to shake and the world and the earth began to shake and he set his children free. Oh, I wish I had a Pentecostal church in this house. Hey! I wish I had somebody that believed on Jesus. Let me tell you something. What your family is going through is no challenge to God. What your body is going through is no challenge to God. The addictions you're facing is not a challenge to God. The mental pressure and confusion you might be going through is not a challenge to God. Call on the Lord. Hallelujah. And He will do it. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.